On this episode of Tag Talks Business, I speak with Jay Klebanoff, Chief Executive Officer of Hercules Fence. Jay, thank you so much for joining me and our listeners of this episode for Tag Talks Business. I appreciate you giving some time this afternoon to, to talk to me and our, our guests. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so could you give a, a brief history of uh, Hercules Fence? Um, I believe it was founded in 1955. 1955. Now, do you want the hour-long version or just the... <laughs> the abbreviated version? version. We'll take the abbreviated version and we'll work the rest in on as we go. Okay. So uh, it was founded in 1955 by a guy named Ron Robinson Okay. And in Norfolk. And it was a, a small residential uh, chain link business. I think they did some awnings. Oh, okay. And then in 1968, a gentleman named George Stanky, who was an ex-naval uh, commander, oh. bought the company. And he really transformed it into the predominant fence company in this area. Okay. Um, he was quite a character. Uh, a lot of folks, I'm amazed how often I talk to people in the community, and they're like, oh, George Stanky used to own Hercules, <laughs> didn't he? So he really made an impression. And he built the company to the point where Hercules became a huge wholesaler as well as an installer. Okay. So he either, I like to joke, he either got the job or he sold the materials to the fence company that got the job. Okay. So he really built a very successful company. And then in 1986, uh, my father-in-law, Bob Copeland, bought the company from George. And more as an investor than an operator. Gotcha. And uh, so I came along in 1990 and uh, took over running the company. And at that time, we had the single location in Norfolk. Yeah. And I saw that our wholesale business was starting to wane. You know, back then, the, um, the home center stores were becoming more prominent. Oh, yeah. And they were taking a lot of our walk-up business away. So because we couldn't expand to the east because of the ocean, we started moving our way up the peninsula, and we opened up in uh, Newport News, then we opened up in Richmond, then we opened up in Manassas, and we kept going until we had uh, an office in Jessup, Maryland, and as far north as Frederick, Maryland. Oh, okay. So we have six offices. Oh, wow. And we have... uh, uh, a custom iron business in addition to the fence uh, offices. Gotcha. And we do work all over the Maryland, uh, D.C., Virginia areas. Yeah. And we will do anything from, you know, fix your gate that's sagging in your backyard <laughs> to doing the fence at the Pentagon. Yeah. So we really run the whole gamut. Wow. Well, and you mentioned the Pentagon. Um, in, in doing some background, I noticed you all do an awful lot with the government, um, and especially being up in that, I'm sure being in the Northern Virginia, uh, Maryland corridor, I mean, there's an, uh, even compared to Hampton Roads, there's an awful lot of government work up in that area. How was that transition going from traditional residential to business to, to government? Because, I mean, like most of our government contractor partners will tell you, I mean, it's a whole different ballgame when you're dealing with the government and the military. It is, and that's why you know I'm proud of our people for having the flexibility to still do a great job with residential fence 
you know, still show the, the concern and interest to do a great job for, you know, you and I if we need a fence in our backyard, but at the same time to fulfill the needs of the government. Yeah. And like I say, our specialty is we excel at the most complex jobs. So we have done fences on mountaintops at Camp David. Wow. We've done fences in the, the water in you know, the James River. <laughs> I mean, if it's, if it's something that takes a lot of noodling and ingenuity, yeah. that's really our specialty. Wow. So we, um, you know, because George Stanky was a Naval commander, he had yeah. great contacts with the military. So we've always had a good business in this area with all the bases we have here. Um, in fact, we just were awarded a five-year, $37 million uh, wow. maintenance and repair contract for the bases in Hampton Roads. Oh, that's great. Yeah, thank you. But then we've also uh, done great work at, at Fort Lee, and we've just, you go right up the, the road yeah. um, into Northern Virginia, and. Uh, the bases up there as well. So yeah. we, uh, we're really proud of the work we do for the military That's and for the government in general. That's great. Well, and I, I, as somebody who has spent, even as a Navy brat who spent literally decades in, in the Hampton Roads community, I will say it's, it, it, I think it's virtually impossible to drive around town and not see your placards on, on something around here. I mean, I, I, that is the cool part about what you guys do is, is um, it is a, a very visible example of what you're able to accomplish. I mean, some businesses, there's not always that tangible way to, to see it, feel it, touch it, um, and to know what you are within a community. And in your case, it's a complete opposite. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard not to know what you guys have done. So it's been pretty cool to, to see that over the years. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad that you noticed them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe it's just the marketing guy in me. I don't know, but <laughs> I'll start asking around on yeah, that one. Yeah, that's great. So, um, so for you personally and professionally, um, obviously you said your, your father was involved. Um, had you kind of always had kind of the plans to be uh, a, a, really a business owner and, 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 and leading the way from, a, from this type of business? Or, or kind of how did that whole game plan come about? No, this was a complete surprise. So <laughs> I was a uh, finance major. I went to okay. uh, George Washington and got my finance degree. And then I went to Chapel Hill, so oh. I am a Tar Heel, gotcha. and got my MBA. And gotcha. I was actually working at the Washington Post. Really? Loved, wow. loved, loved, loved the newspaper industry. Wow. Okay. And so I was working at the Post, met my wife there, and she's from Norfolk. Ah. And was looking for something more entrepreneurial yeah. when this opportunity came along. Gotcha. And uh, I'll say that my father-in-law wanted to have his daughter back in town, <laughs> so he, he had an incentive. So gotcha. it was a win-win-win. Nice. And uh, so it's, it's, been, it's been great. I mean, it calls on all my skills. Yeah. I, I handle the banking and the finance for the company. Uh, I handle the marketing for the okay. company. Uh, you know, there's a production aspect. There's, I love coaching people. Yeah. So there's, there's that. There's bringing young people along and watching them over the course of my 30 years grow and mature and excel and yeah. create their own families and buy their own homes. And awesome. so it's really been very fulfilling. Nice, nice. So along with that, um, especially because it wasn't kind of in the plans. Were there any lessons learned during that time that, that 
you feel like have you can pass along even if it's not a true entrepreneur but at least those that want to run their own company or 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 lead a company in the future that you can pass along i think that, yeah that's a that's a great question so uh number one especially in a business that's essentially a commodity business yeah. it's really about your people and we yeah. hear that so often yeah but you have to you have to be able to attract good people you have to treat them well we have great incentive programs we do 401k we uh, supplement their their health insurance so we really try to attract and take care of our people and you have to show a genuine interest in in your people you yeah. know it, it can't it can't be just mailed in you've got to really show a genuine interest and concern in your people so we've grown a, a good team and I'm fortunate enough to have a business partner uh, Evan Winston who is the president of our company and he equally shares this concern for our people and our customers and our reputation he's equally as passionate about it and then the other thing on the finance end is you got to pay attention to the cash yeah. you've got to know what's coming in and you got to know what's going out yeah. it's so critical and uh, another thing I'll say and I won't say the last thing because there's there's all kinds of lessons but I find especially in the construction field for people who are starting their own HVAC business or electrical business, what have you, people are often afraid to price their jobs where they need to be priced yes. to cover all your expenses. So you have to know what your expenses are. Yeah. You have to understand you've got to have a, a monthly statements and you've got to understand your expenses and you've got to sit down and do your break-even analysis and yeah. understand what you have to charge to be successful. And then the last little thing that people don't realize is that when you're doing well, especially in those early years and you're making a profit, you have to pay taxes. <laughs> so if you go out and buy that boat in February, forgetting that in April you got to pay your taxes, you could be in big trouble. Yeah. So you got to plan for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny, I, one last thing, in my early years, you know, we would get to the, uh, to the end of the year and especially if we grew, yeah. you know, I'd say, God, we had a nice year and, you know, we grew 20%. How come we don't have any money? <laughs> and you uh -huh. have to be able to finance your receivables as well. Your yeah. receivables are going to grow. Yeah. And so if you've got a 30-day collection window or a 45-day collection window, you've got to make sure you can cover that. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting you talk about knowing kind of knowing your value, knowing how to price yourself out. Because on, on my previous podcast, we, we had just talked about knowing what it's going to take and how you need to price out and then being willing to stick with that, knowing the value of your product or service. Because um, our previous guest was saying, I, I'm not... I'm not always going to beat somebody in price. As a matter of fact, I may knowingly be more expensive than most of my competition, but I know the value of what I have and the service I provide, and I also know that's how I'm going to be able to continue to keep the doors open and, and pay my salaries. So either, either my customers are, are going to pay that or they're not, but I, I don't really have a choice if I'm being honest with myself. So it's interesting you, you kind of echoed that same sentiment. Yeah, yeah. Well, you want, you want to feel that you're giving your customer a good value. You know, you don't want to price yourself ridiculously out of the market. So yeah. you want to give them a good value. 
But again, you have to be realistic about what it costs to run your business. You deserve to make a profit yeah. for running that business. And so you have to price yourself accordingly. Yeah, that's great. Well, and you talk a little bit about workforce and, and quality of staff. Um, something we've talked about a lot here at the Chamber. Um, I, I've done a lot of conversations. I, I think one of our podcasts even included the CVT or CTE program over at Chesapeake Public Schools, talking about skilled workforce um, and that narrative of um, uh, finding those professionals that are developing skills early, coming out of high school, coming out of college. Um, what has been your experience with that? Because obviously a lot of what you all do, especially on the manufacturing side of it before it's even installed, is very skilled specific. So how have you addressed that over the last 30 years as, as the market has changed? Uh, it's a constant struggle. Yeah. Um, fortunately in this area, there, because we're a, sh a shipbuilding area, there's a lot of welding talent. Oh yeah. So as far as the manufacturing part of our business, uh, we've always been able to attract the welders that we need. But as far as installing fences, you know, it's hard work. It's physical hard work. And as time goes on, there's less people that want to do that kind of work. So that's, that's a challenge. Um, we struggle with that all the time. We, we probably could grow 10 to 15 percent tomorrow if we had the in installation workforce that we need. Yeah. In fact, I like, to, I like to do some advertising. You know, we'll, we'll do some television and radio, but I hold back on how much I'll do yeah. because we want to be able to send competent, experienced people out to do the work. Yeah. And there's a limitation on how many there are. Gotcha. Well, and, and kind of along those same lines, as you've grown the business, um, especially outside the market, um, are there any things that you can pass along to, um, especially those small to medium-sized business owners that are saying, okay, I, I think I've got what I want in Hampton Roads now. I want, now I want to go outside that. Now I want to go to the peninsula or the eastern shore or up, up north of Richmond. Any antidote items that you can pass along? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, that, that's, a, that's another great question. So I've learned the hard way that, uh, you know, again, we talked about people being key. Yeah. And for us, as we've opened up uh, additional offices where we had a good person to manage that office, or in some cases where we bought a small business, and oh, so we okay. had a foothold to begin with, gotcha. we've done well. And my biggest, um, you know, I'll call it a failure, uh, we tried to open up in Raleigh wow. back in 2006, and we were there for nine years, and in the end, we shut it down. Gotcha. Great market, Yeah. Um, never could find the right manager, and my takeaway from that was that if we go back to Raleigh to buy a small business, oh, you know, okay. you start you start with the talent in place, you start gotcha. with people who know the market and are known in the market, yeah. you start with a group of installers. It was very, very challenging to start it organically. Yeah. You just arrive one day and say, hey, we're Big Bad Hercules Fence <laughs> and we're in your market now. And, you know, uh -huh. we, we exactly. found out that that didn't get us very far. That's it. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring that up because I, I, 
I have had friends and was even associated with, uh, with a business that did the same experience in Richmond in that, I mean, we were hugely successful in, in the Hampton Roads community and the idea was, okay, you're gonna go to Richmond and bring that same success with you. And, and those that were already established in Richmond kind of went, we don't know you, we don't care, go, go back to Hampton Roads. Um, and and I, I don't say that because it's a reflection on Richmond, it was just more the idea of what you said, was that just because we were successful here, if nobody knows you, in another market, uh, the, you're start literally starting from scratch. It's right. hard enough to start from scratch once, but to do it multiple times is virtually impossible sometimes. So, it's I'm glad that you uh, brought that up because it is a, a great experience. Yeah, you know, if you if you um, if you have a unique product, you know, for instance, let's take like taste. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If they don't have anything like taste in Richmond and they open up up there, I think they have they'll probably do well. Yeah. But if you're a fence company or an HVAC or an electrical contractor, there's a million of them up there. Yeah. So <laughs> unless you have somebody really good yeah. who knows how to run that business and network, you're gonna struggle. That's a great point, great point. Um, so we've talked a, a, about a couple of the failures, but obviously you're an extremely successful business. So what would you say would be one or two of your, the highlights over the last 30 years that you really are proud of? I, I'm very proud, not, not the reason we were called in, but the fact that we were called in after the uh, January 6th event at the Capitol. We were um, asked to fortify the grounds, and I thought because of the um, magnitude of the project and how yeah. quickly they wanted it done yeah. that we were going to participate with some other fence companies and as it turns out we were the only one asked to do it oh wow and we uh, had 50 people up there wow. on a weekend and wow. in two days we put the uh, razor ribbon yeah around the grounds and uh, wow. so we were we were proud to be able to help uh, defend and secure our democracy Wow. In that case, well, and you've never been up there before. I mean, even if you've been there, I know I went up one time, stayed up there, and took a run around the Capitol one time at like five o'clock in the morning, and, and kind of anecdotal story. But essentially, I, I lost my bearings and realized I was inside some of those concrete barriers, which is kind of off-putting at five a.m. or five o'clock in the morning when you're right. <laughs> so, needless to say, I got out of those. The, that corridor pretty quick, but to your point, that's a that's a big big space. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think people realize. I mean, you didn't you just don't encircle a building. You're encircling essentially a, a large swath of that DC area. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Wow. Yeah, at, at, pretty at, cool. At the uh, at the head of the ellipse, there it's it's a it's a big area. Yeah. Um, but on a lighter note, I'm also <laughs> proud that we do all the fencing at Bush Gardens. Really? And we have for the last oh, wow. 20 years. Nice. So that that's a little more fun. And yeah. Whenever they open a new ride, we get to go there before it officially opens and, and you know, oh, do the very ride. Cool. So, yeah. Very yeah. cool. Awesome. So as our listeners are going and, and checking their tickets to go in, they know that, that all that safety and perimeter is, is thanks to you guys. It's Hercules Fence. Very cool. Yes. We, we're very um, proud to participate in the community to support the community we we have a social conscience and we take it very seriously 
Last year, we made a $70,000 contribution wow. uh, to all the food banks in the markets that we work in. Wow, that's wonderful. And we're very involved locally with some different organizations, uh, and Achievable Dream is yeah. one as an example. And so uh, we're, we work hard. We're proud to be part of this community for since 1955, yeah. and we think it's very important to give back. Well, I, I know the community appreciates you greatly, um, especially over the last 12 to 15 months. I mean, I, I think we've all kind of had an opportunity to hit the reset button a little bit on, on a lot of what we prioritize in life and in business. So um, I greatly appreciate what you and your team do to, to give back to the community. Um, and, and I thank you again for all, all you do for the Hampton Roads uh, region. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Um, before we wrap up, um, for those who are interested, because you do offer everything from residential all the way up to commercial, um, how do they connect with your team? How do they reach out to you? Where do they find you? Um, so we have a website, uh, HerculesFence.com. Okay. They can also email sales at HerculesFence.com. Okay. Perfect. And they can call, depending on the market that they're in, um, you know, the local number is 321-6700. Okay. Uh, Peninsula's 316-3600. Perfect. So whether they want to email or call or go to the website, we'll be happy to take care of them. Wonderful. Thank you, Tage. This was a pleasure. Wonderful. And thank you to the listeners at Take Talks Business. We'll catch you on the next episode.